We're back to the Neil Haley Show in the Author's Corner segment. And, you know, inspiring is something I love to talk about. And people go through hard times and challenges. And I'm excited to welcome the program author, speaker, and much, much more, Shar Murthy, author of Unshakable Power. Shar, thanks for calling. How are you? Thanks. Hey, how are you, Neil? I'm doing fantastic. So I want to go back to the story. I know, I know that it's a chat when you were really successful, life hits you really hard. And how did you overcome that? That's that's the challenge in in life is that, you know, things seem like they're going a certain direction and bam, something hits you and it changes <laughs> your whole perspective in life. Boy, it really does. It, it it came out of nowhere, I can tell you. And um, I was I was at the height of my career, um, so it affected me uh, in in a whole lot of different ways. And I can just tell you that the comeback was, uh, you know, it just took time, and I had to totally recreate myself out of. Um, you know, when you have your career stripped away overnight, literally, and you lose everything um, except your life, thank goodness, uh, you you lose your identity, you lose your, you, you, you just have to go inside and say, okay, now, you know, who am I? Exactly. Who am I really, you know? Um, and I think that's the key is to just, you just have to dig deep and say, who am I? Who am I? Am I? Uh, am I what I do? No, I'm not an attorney. Even though I was practicing a lawyer for 15 years, that's not who I am. And now I'm an author and a speaker, and that's not even who I am. You know, we are we are more than just what we do. Yeah, that's so true. Our true self is not of what we do. It's how we do it and how we feel we do it. Exactly. And having the, the strength that it takes to, you know, uh, to step up and out into our authentic selves. Um, that's what I had to figure out how to do. You know, and who was I authentically? Who was I? I was wearing the attorney mask for 15 years, but you know, that's not that just wasn't wasn't meant to be. I was meant to, my my purpose in life was bigger, and to help more people. And I was grateful to be given the opportunity to not only survive but to thrive in order to be able to help others um, that, that that have been through trying times very very difficult times and then they're just all of a sudden lost on the path they don't know which way to go or what to do or you know even why they're here so exactly that's yeah. that yeah so, so I mean, that's really it yeah it's just something that when I hear that I say, how did you overcome this? You're losing everything. You had to take off the mask and know who you truly are. Did it overnight happen where I, okay, I got, I'm, I'm good to go now. I have my mission and purpose in life after losing everything or it took time, didn't it? 
No, it, it, it did take time. It doesn't happen overnight. But the awakening to what my true calling in life really was didn't, didn't change. Um, because basically, and it sounds, it sounds, uh, like simple. Uh, I just wanted to help people. And that's why I went to law school in the first place. And so then I still had that core purpose. I just had to redefine, like you said, to your point, how you do it. How do I do it to even help more people? And I, and I always say, you know, I was blessed to make it through it in order to bless others. That's yes. the bottom line. And that's the thing. Really. You never know the situation you're put through in life. Um, and it's, it's hard because you say, well, what, what direction am I going? I keep on failing. Even though I try hard, I do really well, and it looks like I'm in that right direction, then bam, something hits you. How do you tell people that you are not in control and you have to let it happen and do your best, and that's all you can do? It's not the result. It's how hard you try, right? Well, I think it's in your your attitude, and I think a positive attitude, no matter what. Um you know, of course, it's it's a shock when when something does happen, or when your um, when your direction keeps changing and you don't know what's next. And you know, it's um, you have to come to that place of understanding inside yourself of what you know what what your what your heart's desire is. What what do you really what really keeps that fire burning inside because when the fire goes out you have to find a way to relight it and it just it's difficult and everybody's situation is different it could be a serious illness like mine a repetitive serious illness or the death of a loved one or divorce you know there's so many things that cause trauma and excess um, issues in life that we just don't know how to face. And one thing that helped me was, Neil, to really see the bigger picture. You know, it wasn't just in what was happening to me. I I couldn't just concentrate on that. I had to say, there's a reason for everything that happens. And even though it may not look pretty, on the exterior, it may not be what you wanted it to be. It certainly wasn't what I chose to happen. But there is a bigger purpose, you know, and you have to dig in there and find out what that, what, what's the purpose, what was the purpose of this, and find the purpose in it. And the purpose for me, like I said, was to be able to transcend the, the external issues and go in and figure out how to come back and still with that same passion and purpose do something different with what my gifts and talents are. Yes. To help more. Yeah. 
Yes. You have to have unshakable power, and that's a great segue to why you wrote the book. Exactly. And and that is it. it it's, it's being able to get to that place where you recognize that you have that inner power and you really can do anything that you want to do um, if you believe in yourself and you have to just believe in yourself. But you have to get to that point again, too. You know, I, I went through a period where I just was lost. And, and then it just started unfolding. And why? Why? Why was I saved four times from breast cancer? Why? There's got to be a bigger reason, a bigger purpose. And there, there is. And that, that's where that unshakable power comes in when you, when you recognize the gifts that you have inside of you already. That nothing can take away. Nobody can take that away. No illness, no divorce, no anything. You're still who you are inside. And it's powerful. Yes. It's more powerful than you think. So defining that without reading the book, define that in a sentence, unshakable power, and give me an example. Okay, so... Unshakable power is that power that lies within you and within each one of us that we have to get in touch with in order to move forward in our lives with purpose, our purpose. I love That's that. That's what unshakable power is. I love that definition. It really inspires me right now on a, a Thursday afternoon. In the middle of a pan <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Now, give me an example of using unshakable power in your okay. life. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. The I, I would say after going through breast cancer four times. Four. Yeah, I can't believe and that. We, yeah. Wow. When you when you really start to question your mortality or your immortality, you know, like wow, four times. So that is when I really had to recognize my own power to to just overcome it and to keep going and to never give up no matter what. I, I had to just keep going because I was given another chance. So when you're blessed enough to be given that many chances, you know that, that uh, you have unshakable not, power. Not, you make not, it through that. Nothing's going to stop you in so many ways and I, and, I and, and, and again the book highlights your story right through all those trials and right. tribulations to get to the day that you know what i'm gonna have unshakable power today i'm gonna have unshakable power on friday monday whatever thing goes difficulty comes to me i'm gonna have that unshakable power and by reading your book you're gonna find out 
Maybe you shouldn't have with all the things that you went through and you still are proving people wrong that would say, hey, you know, exactly. something's going to stop you. You're going to give up. You're going you're gonna to be done. And you never did that because of that one, that one phrase, unshakable power. And I think that that's exactly. so unbelievably powerful that it gives anybody hope. And people need hope today, don't they? Yeah. Don't they? They need hope. Exactly. Yes, I hope it, it is. I call it the the book of hope and inspiration. It is uh, hope is it, well. If we don't have hope, we really have nothing. Because you have to have that hope that you can overcome these difficulties and, and, and serious things. You can get past it. You can get past it, and you can. Have your best life ever if you just really tap into that unshakable power. You got to tap into it and use it to just keep to keep going. And it's sometimes it's just one baby step at a time. Yes, it's not. I agree. Just one one big hurdle. It, it's one step at a time, one baby step at a time. And then before you know it, you have it figured out and you, and you go with it, whatever it is. Where can we purchase your book? I know again, coming out next week on Tuesday, your book will be available uh, online for the ebook but where can we purchase the book today? And excited about this again, the launch of your ebook on Tuesday. Yes, yes, I'm so excited about that because actually that's my way of um, giving back. Uh, one of the one of the ways I give back, but it's this is a big way that I can give back to the people that have supported me and loved me and held my hand through everything that I've been through, and um, and. It's a day where you can get the, the uh, on Amazon, you can get the book for free on Tuesday the 16th. It's, I'm giving it away to everyone on Amazon. So I'm just thrilled and excited to be able to do that. And um, also today, you can buy the book online at barnesandnoble.com um, or... Um, Amazon. It's on Amazon, hardback and paperback versions available. I believe Barnes and Noble only has the hardback, and um, that's that's exactly. where you can yeah. uh, get it. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting yeah. times, and then you have a lot of other projects it coming is. up. People can catch up with you in different places, right? As well to learn about oh, yeah. new new ventures <laughs> you have exploring. So you got a lot of things coming up to help a lot of people right i do i'm really excited i just it just keeps growing and going and and i uh i'm just thrilled 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 beyond words that but you know i i can say that my life really does have meaning far beyond anything that i could ever imagine through trauma and illness and abuse and all kinds of things, divorce. And I mean, I can talk about <laughs> the whole gamut. It, 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 
if anybody can, it's me. But uh, but it's it's just about reaching in, Neil, and grabbing hold and 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 not letting go, not letting go. Just keep going. You have a website too, and that's where all your socials are, are for people to follow. But just the website's the best place. Where can we go to learn more about you? You can go to www.believeinspire.us. Uh, that's believe inspire, all one word. Us. Awesome. Well, you know what? You inspired me today, and especially when you think about somebody of what you've gone through in your life and how you have this unshakable power. And I think everyone listening today needs to see where their unshakable power is and how they can overcome such challenges with the pandemic, with social injustice, with, uh, you know, losing a job, whatever you're going through today, have that unshakable power. And Shar, you showed us today that, that great saying that people need to constantly look at when they're struggling. So I appreciate you calling. Okay. Yeah. This was just unbelievable. As I said, thanks for coming on again. And uh, you have a great day. You really inspired me. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you very, very much for having me. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. On this show, we discuss and bring attention to a wide range of personal safety and security products and solutions that are available to both businesses and individuals to keep you safer and more secure both online and off. I'm your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. As a self-employed information technology consultant since 1995, as a martial artist for over 20 years, I bring decades of personal safety and security experience to my role as the host of this show. To learn more about how I can help your corporation, college, or conference, you can visit my personal website at petecanavan.com. So thanks so much to our listeners for being here. We really appreciate you helping us spread the word about Safety Talk and sharing in your social circles. And a hot topic is today is telemedicine. And on today's episode, we have a doctor who will be talking with us uh, about it and as well as some other medical related topics. And he is a, an award-winning physician, speaker, aging expert, and author. He is known as the anesthesiologist to the stars and is one of the most sought after physicians in California. He trained at Stanford and UCLA and has built a career attending to some of the most complex patients in the San Francisco, California area. He has spent years on the front lines of healthcare, treating both adults and children with uncontrolled pain, as well as other complicated medical issues. He is an authority on wellness and advanced nutrition, and has a new book out titled, Why Doctors Skip Breakfast, Wellness Tips to Reverse Aging, Treat Depression, and Get a Good Night's Sleep. And couldn't we all use some of those? Uh, the book reveals insider Hollywood secrets on how you can say goodbye to chronic disease and pain, continuously look your best, and maximize your performance and immune system, which is obviously so important as we hear about in the news on almost a consistent basis today. Uh, he owns a telemedicine clinic in Beverly Hills, California, and right now as telehealth is exploding as people are either unable or unwilling to visit doctors in person, 
uh, and vice versa, this has become extremely important. So as part of today's episode, we will be discussing the five reasons why telemedicine has come of age and is here to stay and why this is the perfect time for a patient to visit their doctor from home. So it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Gregory Charlotte to Safety Talk. Welcome, doctor. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Sure. We're uh, very happy to have you on the show to talk about telemedicine and some other topics, obviously your new book as well. Uh, because, you know, as we all know, uh, you and I and everyone else that, you know, our personal safety or in our health is of paramount importance. You know, if we're not feeling well, it's hard to focus on other things, especially when we have things like chronic pain or, you know, something that's always nagging at us. It, it really is difficult to focus on the other tasks at hand, whether they are, you know, things that we have to do in our business or in our personal lives, you know, something as simple as, you know, working on your garden. If you're in pain all the time, you can't do that. So it really, you know, affects every area of our lives when, we, when we're not healthy. And so that's what, you know, this show Safety Talk is all about. We, we're all about improving the safety and security and health of others by any means necessary, including, you know, education, training, tools, uh, different skills and products, and, you know, hey, basically whatever it takes, right? So, Let's start off by, uh, by having you tell our audience about um, how you got involved in medicine in the first place, and then we'll, we'll dive into some of the specifics. Sound good? Sure. Yeah, of course. So, you know, it's funny. My, my parents love telling the story. I think I was around nine or something like that. I was at a birthday party, and, you know, they have these parties like bowling alleys or skating rinks and that kind of thing. And so we had a lot of fun, and then we go to the party room. You know, they have like these rooms in the back, and there was a big cake there, and they were cutting the cake. And like all the kids are going crazy over the cake and I refuse to have any of the cake. I'm like this nine-year-old, like sort of precocious kid. And I'm like, no, I don't want to have it because it has too much sugar. And so, you know, my parents love telling the story. And I guess from a young age, I always cared a lot about nutrition. I mean, I was always into health and, you know, I, I used to have arguments like artificial sugar is bad or good and artificial colors and all these things. And I used to love doing all these experiments with health. So I've always loved health and nutrition in particular. Uh, ultimately, you know, I was in school, I went to college and I loved science and I wanted to try to figure out something I could do with it. And to be honest, I didn't think I had the patience to sit and do bench research. You know, I, I love people that do that, but it's, it's, it takes a lot of patience to do it. And I thought, you know, maybe something like medicine would be more my speed. So that's how I ended up uh, getting in, you know, going into medicine. And then I ended up becoming, I'm an anesthesiologist, like you said. And, uh, honestly, right. So how did you, is, how did you go from, you know, being that anesthesiologist and, you know, you know, someone who's very sought after in that, you know, realm and then sort of, you know, segue and, and become an expert in the, in the wellness and the, you know, the anti-aging area. Well, so, you know, so it's funny. So it, one of the big things about anesthesiologists, if you know any, you find them, we like to have things happen quickly. You know, like that's the hallmark of anesthesia. Like you like to do something and then you like to see its result. And so the way we think about medicine is very different than say, like a lot of internists, you know, family medicine doctors do. They kind of, they do something, they'll start you on like a blood pressure pill and they'll wait, you know, six months, a year, you know, who knows if it's working. We like to do quick results. So a lot of, a lot of what I'm into in medicine and a lot of the wellness stuff I'm into is actually like, what could we do that will help you in the long term, but will also give you quick results. And that, of course, kind of fits in with like what the Beverly Hills crowd is looking for, because a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of celebrities and actors and things like that. And their careers depend on being healthy and looking good and um, 
And so sure, their, their paychecks depend on it, right? <laughs> their paychecks depend on it, right? So, uh, so it's a good thing they don't have quarantine hair like like I have right now. So you'll you'll have to forgive yeah. me for that. But but you know the the stuff you could do that kind of works quickly and helps you feel better and look better and that kind of stuff. That that's the kind of stuff I I'm really into. And that that's that's you know so that I guess that's where the anesthesia and the wellness stuff kind of tie in together. You know, having we are a society that wants instant satisfaction. We want instant results. We want instant answers to information. You know, I mean, the internet's kind of spoiled everybody because you can, you know, search for anything and find answers. Now, some of that may be good information. Some of it may not be good information. Right. Right? And that's, that's part of the, the challenge sometimes is finding it, you know, especially when you're searching for, you know, health related information, you know, Oh, I've got a pain here. I have an ache here. Or why is, why do I have a bump on my, you know, whatever it happens to be that somebody's searching for, but when you have a solution to a problem that whatever it happens to be and the person can see some, some quick results that can motivate them to stay the course for the long term, which ends up being you know, better for their, their health uh, and longevity and, and helps them maintain you know, youthful vigor and appearance and, and feeling good about themselves. So that's important. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. And you know, that's the, I think you touched on two points, which I, I'm really happy you mentioned. One of them is sifting through all this online stuff. You know, everybody, you know, everybody does it. And I, I've, I've been guilty of this too. We all go to Dr. Google, you know, and we, we type in our symptoms or we try to figure out what the problem is. And we hope Google will diagnose us. And, you know, that's tricky, you know, and, and you're obviously an expert in this type of thing. It's, it's, it's tricky because number one, you're putting out a lot of your personal information on there because now it's, you know, cookies and everything else, all these other websites know the problems you have, right, <laughs> but, which, but on top of that, which, you know, you may not want, right. Mm. But, but on top of that, which, you know, which is why you see all these retargeted ads, but, but on top of that, you know, a lot of the stuff you're finding online is, has an agenda, you know, I, I mean, obviously there are some reliable sources, but many of them are, are written by people that are trying to sell something. Uh, they're by companies that, that have some sort of ad revenue and, and, and they want to make money off you. So you have to be careful. And then even the stuff that isn't necessarily trying to sell you something, it, it may not be written by people who know what they're talking about. You know, right. someone just read something once or their cousin Joe told them who happens to be a, you know, a dermatologist. And, and so it gets online and then people, I think people give things too much credibility sometimes just because it's online. Well, yeah, it's online. It's got to be true, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, you see it in writing, you know, so once you see something in writing, you know, but the other thing you mentioned, which is also important, which is, I mean, some aspects of wellness, they're the long game, you know? So sure. for example, like I'm a big fan of taking turmeric and I take gobs of the stuff. I add it to food. I, I take it as like capsules, you know, I, I take it as much as I can. And a lot of the doctors I work with, the people that are into this stuff, everybody takes turmeric. And you don't really see any immediate benefit from that, you know. So you do it, and honestly, we're kind of doing it on faith that that will help us, right? Because there's lots of good data on it. We know it's not hurting us, and there's tons of good research. But you don't, you take it today, you don't feel it tomorrow, you know. Uh, but there are other things you can do for your health that you actually do feel pretty quickly. And that's, a big plus. And, and so I think when you're looking at wellness, especially if you want people to keep up with wellness stuff, you have to give them both the long game stuff like turmeric, but also stuff that will help them quickly because people want results. Sure. Because I mean, if you tell me I got to do this and I'm not going to see results for six months or a year, 
it's going to be real easy to fall off the wagon and not continue to, to do the routine, whatever it happens to be. But when we do something, you know, and we see results within maybe a few days or a week or two, right. then that's going to motivate you, whether it's losing weight or, you know, getting stronger or bulking up or whatever your, your goal happens to be. So, yeah, that's a very, very interesting because... Um, well, here's the other problem with that too, is that um, you're seeing what actually happens, but not what would have happened. So, for example, like say you know, you start taking turmeric and a year from now you feel the same way you feel today. Did it help you? You know, maybe not. Or maybe you would have had some terrible illness and you didn't get it because you were taking the turmeric. So you don't, so the trouble is you don't know what would have happened had you not taken it. You just know what ended up happening. So So why would somebody want to take that? What would some of the long-term benefits be as long as we're kind of talking about that? Well, so one of the here, so here's the thing. So if you look at like a lot of Asian cultures, mm-hmm. turmeric is very popular in, in food and it was used for medicinal purposes in a lot of, particularly Southeast Asia. And it's been around for thousands of years as sort of a food slash medicine in Asia. And, and they were really on to something. Um, for one thing, it, it seems to help prevent inflammation. So a lot of aging, we think is, I'm very into this anti-aging stuff. A lot of aging we think it's due to inflammation. You know, you have chronic inflammation, your immune system is activated all the time. And what that does is it damages cells throughout your body. It's like your body's constantly in this sort of stressed out fight or flight mode. And that's very toxic. It's very unhealthy. So we think that turmeric does a lot of things like decreases your risk of Alzheimer's disease. It helps with inflammatory bowel disease or autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease. It seems to reduce the risk of cancer and heart disease. I mean, almost all of the kind of commonly associated things with aging, turmeric seems to reduce. And the cool I had part heard, about I had it, heard that it had anti-inflammatory properties. Yes, yes. And, 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 and the thing about it that's great is it's pretty cheap, and it has no, at least that we know of, no side effects. So, you know, in the world of options, you know, how many things are there out there that are relatively inexpensive, seemingly have zero side effects and may have tons of long-term benefits. So there are, there just aren't that many things out there like that. No, they're not. And you know, you have, we all have to be careful about, you know, what we put in our bodies. I mean, I take a handful of vitamins a couple times a day, you know, I'd rather be doing that than taking a handful of medicine and pills. Yes, yes, yes. And, and you know, somebody, people, you know, if I have a friend over and I'm, you know, I'm taking my vitamins, you're like, man, that's a lot of vitamins. I'm like, well, you know, I want to stay healthy, you know? So, I mean, I'm taking, you know, my glucosamine and chondritin and MSM and I'm taking DHEA and, and, and a multivitamin and uh, calcium and something for my mind and something for the prostate and something for, you know, the eyes and there are all these different things. And it's like, you know what, as long as I'm, helping myself not get worse, I know it's at least maintaining where I'm at. Right. Kind of like you're saying right. with your turmeric, it's like it, you may not be seeing an immediate effect, but how do you know it hasn't been preventing you from getting sick? Right, like, right. At my age and working on computers all the time, I don't need glasses. That's like unheard of. Like wow. I'm not wearing contacts right now. I have glasses. I got 20-20 vision and you know, 50 years old. And it's like, wait a minute. How, you know, a lot of people have glasses at my age and hey, knock on, on wood, I won't need them for a long time, maybe ever, but who knows? I know they say they eventually will go, but we'll see. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> hey, every little bit you can do, right? So, right, right, right. But yeah, absolutely. So the, the book, uh, since we're talking about the health of this, and we'll get into some of the telemedicine side of this, uh, that you wrote, Why Doctors Skip Breakfast, was recently released. So what inspired you to, re- to, uh, to write the book and what's it about? So the book is about, 
modern techniques to prevent aging primarily. So it's actually very exciting because I think all of us have sort of taken for granted that as time goes by, we get old and we get sick and we get frail. You know, we, we think it's just a matter of time before we get cancer or Alzheimer's disease, that our energy goes away, that we start forgetting things. Because that's that what we're we've not been told. Be to do. That's what we've been told. And, you know, it's funny because one of my other big interests is in real estate. I'm, I'm really into seniors and senior housing. And, of course, one of the things they always recommend to people is you want to get like a one-story house, you know, so you don't have to climb stairs. And we're telling people that can climb stairs to buy houses that don't have stairs because we're, we're assuming that it's just a matter of time before you can't climb stairs. And so we have this mindset that, get, that getting old and getting frail is just sort of the deal. You know, that's just what happens. So, so the book talks about research that's come out of Harvard and USC and UCLA and some other top places, MIT, that show that we actually don't have to fall victim to these aging traps that we imagine. And it also talks about some great new research about ways of treating depression, which over 17 million people have and is related to aging, and also ways of getting improved sleep, both to get better sleep in general for your health, and also, uh, and also because improved sleep will, uh, will improve performance. So someone like you, you're obviously, you're a very effective, very successful athlete. And, and, and a lot of athletes are sort of cluing into how sleep can help. It's the, huge, the type, and stress, yeah. right? And it stress sleep. And, you know, we're also stressed out all the time. And, right. you know, when we're wound up or when we're stressed out, it's very hard to kind of turn it off, you know, at the end of the night. And I mean, myself included and a lot of people, it's like when you finally sit down and, and you go to bed, whatever time it happens to be at night or morning. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you still have things racing. Hopefully at night. What's that? Hopefully at night. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a night owl. It's, it's, oh, okay. I usually go to bed about, you know, one or two in the morning just about, but uh, it's, uh, but I mean, that's, you know, good night's sleep is obviously super, super important. So I, I've, I've pulled up here for those watching the, uh, the video, uh, on our on our YouTube channel that uh, the book Why Doctors Get Breakfast is up here. So it, it talks about also de treating depression, which uh, as you mentioned, so that's uh, that's awesome. So I mean, just you know, who wouldn't want to you know reverse aging, not be depressed, and and get a good night's sleep? So I think it's a fantastic uh, subtitle to the book, as well as a funny uh, and catchy title. Why doctors skip breakfast? So why do doctors skip breakfast? <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. So I I worked at a major before coming to Beverly Hills. I worked at sort of a major academic hospital, and so we worked at one of those places where like the sickest of the sick come for major surgeries, and the people I work with are all these like top notch you know, surgeons, anesthesiologists, you name it. They all trained at all the best places, saved lives, and busy people. And in the morning, you know, we get there and kind of hang out before starting and people would have their books out and they'd have their, their coffee. Everybody drinks coffee. Uh, you know, their supplies, we'd kind of discuss what's going on, but almost nobody would eat. They would drink coffee, but hardly anyone ate. And, I just sort of took for granted that's how everybody was. You know, I was fasting because I'm into intermittent fasting, and I noticed that most of my colleagues were in intermittent fasting. But then, I don't know why, but I just noticed when I was out a different time for breakfast one day, the time I did go out for breakfast, everybody was eating. And then I started looking around, and I noticed like outside of the hospital, like all these people were eating breakfast. So I thought, wow, like it's really interesting that, that the doctors, like these really like effective, knowledgeable people, None of us are eating, but then everybody else is. And I thought, we're doing a really poor job of, of 
telling people how to be healthier. You know, I thought we know what to do. Like we know that that eating breakfast is not a good idea for most people, but we haven't done a good job of communicating it because everybody else is eating their their Fruit Loops and their corn pops or their bagels or everything else, and they're poisoning themselves. Right. Yeah, because I mean, breakfast. I mean, it, it really is the most important meal of the day in my eyes. Because I mean, all night long, your body's burning calories. You wake up, you need to refuel and get your brain the energy it needs to tackle the day, as well as your body. And I mean, I'm personally, I mean, I'm addicted to egg sandwiches. I make killer egg sandwiches in the morning. You know, on English muffins or bagels. You know, scramble. You know, mix up the eggs, cut up some you know tomatoes and peppers, and you know whatever else I want to throw in there. You know, stuff from the garden, especially you know now coming into the the summer. I'll be doing that in the, uh, you know, picking stuff fresh out of the garden. And, uh, and man, that's just, it's the best because then you're fueled up and you can focus and uh, it is important. But as you said, it's, it's funny because you're kind of like not leading by example, you know, <laughs> like you're right. Uh, right. So interesting. And, and we're not explaining, we're not explaining about kind of the logic behind it. You know, I think that's the, the problem is, you know, we're, we're kind of, <laughs> you'll see like, again, like with turmeric, I hate the harp in that, but like, that's another thing. Like almost every doctor I know takes it. But, but you never hear them saying, oh, yeah, you should take turmeric, you know, so it's kind of odd that, like, we're doing all these things, but we're not actually, like, going out there doing a good job recommending it to other people. And I think that's our fault. So that was one of the things I really wanted to address and why, at least in my opinion, based on the research, fasting is a good thing to do and why there are certain foods that are better than others and, and certain supplements you want to take and others you want to avoid. Sure. Well, like anything, right? There's, there's good stuff and then there's bad. And uh, right. if somebody doesn't do the research and uh, hopefully they're reading the right research uh, to, deter, you know, to educate themselves about it, it's, it's tough. It can be confusing. So that's, that's awesome though, because I mean, you want to be able to get that information out there because if it's something that can help other people be healthier or maintain their levels of health or aging, uh, you know, it's important. And, uh, and, 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 you know, as I said, I mean, sleep is a, is a really, really, you know, key component. And I think a lot of us are not getting the sleep that we need because we are so overly stimulated all day long. And we have so much bombarding us from technology and from television and just in our lives, you know, it's like, boom, oh, there's another text. Oh, there's another text. Oh, now my phone's ringing up. Oh, I got to check my email. It's like, you know, Every time we turn around, there's things that are, you know, vying for our attention and we right. have a hard time kind of just, <sighs> you know, just, <laughs> just, just stop, just turning it all off, you know? And that's right. why I think things like yoga are, are extremely important because it helps people sort of center themselves, you know, focus on their breathing, let them sort of take things down a notch and relax. And that's one reason why I love martial arts because it really helps me in, with the stress relief. It helps me sort of escape from you know, the, the day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute, you know, demands on my time. And we all have those. So we all need right. to find a way to sort of, you know, take it down a notch or two or three <laughs> and, and relax. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, you're, you're right. And, and, you know, I think you're kind of getting at this, that the phone and the computer are big problems right now when it comes to sleep I mean, huge problems. And, you know, there's this whole deal with, with sleep hygiene. I mean, first of all, like, people have to kind of accept the fact that sleep is important. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of people almost look at not sleeping as, like, a badge of honor. You know, like, oh, I worked so hard, you know, like, I didn't, oh, I didn't sleep, you know, oh, sleep, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, all of these things. 
Yeah, well, you're not <laughs> watching. You're going to be dead sooner than later. <laughs> you're going to be dead sooner than later, right? And, you know, so in the book, and we actually bring up an example, and it's kind of a thought experiment, but it's interesting to think about. It turns out that nearly every single animal sleeps. It's actually pretty surprising. Like nearly every single animal, from humans, of course, mammals, uh, birds, reptiles sleep, sea creatures sleep. Even insects, they have a thing very similar to sleep. I mean, sleep is really conserved. The need to sleep is really conserved across nearly every single animal in existence. And that shows how important it is. I mean, do a thought experiment. You know, we have this in the book. Imagine, there's, imagine just by chance uh, a fox evolves that doesn't need to sleep. You know, I, I bring up the example like Billy the sleepless fox. So let's say Billy evolves. He's born. He doesn't need to sleep, right? what an advantage Billy would have, right? Because he would have, look, he would have time to look for food all day. He, he could look for food whenever he wants. He could look for a great place to live all the time. He would be less vulnerable to predators because, you know, while you're sleeping, a wolf comes by and eats you. You know, right. but Billy wouldn't have to worry about that. Bill, Billy wouldn't have to worry about that. And Billy, you know, Billy would really woo the ladies, because he, he, he has more time to go out and, and meet the lady foxes, right? So Billy will have more kids. So if a sleepless fox ever evolved, they would take over all the foxes. No one would eat them. They'd have more women. They'd have more food. They'd have everything. Right. But there are no sleepless foxes. And that is because sleep is so important that across all animals, we, we need it. And, and we, evolution through all of these animal species hasn't found a way of getting around that. And so I think that we need to accept that sleep is very important for, for our lives. Well, it helps your body rejuvenate and repair itself. And, and you know, there's so many, so many benefits to that. So people that, you know, are obviously concerned about their health, you know, all the time for various reasons. During this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 issue, we have the problem where people may be sick, but they won't want to go to the doctor because they don't want to be exposed to other people that may potentially have something that they could catch, whether it's COVID-19 or something else. So telemedicine has really begun to evolve. And, you know, it's been around for a while, but I think this is really going to push it so much faster and further forward, uh, like, like a lot of other industries, uh, because of this, you know, online education being another. Now, you have right. founded your own telemedicine clinic. And, you know, obviously you've realize that there's a huge need for this. I don't know how, how long ago you founded it, but um, can you tell a little bit, little bit about, you know, the, the telemedicine clinic you have founded and what made you sort of decide to do that versus, you know, a physical clinic where, where patients would be coming? Well, I want to start out by saying I agree with everything you said about COVID-19. And honestly, if I had to go to the doctor with something that wasn't serious, I'd be afraid to go personally, because I know that the places are doing a pretty good job of separating the respiratory people from the non-respiratory people, and they're checking temperatures, and they're doing alcohol and everything else. But COVID is such a contagious virus that um, I would still be worried, despite their best efforts of going in. Now, obviously, if you had to go in, if you had appendicitis or something, you, know, you, you just bite the bullet and go in. But but if it's something that's not that big of a deal, personally, I would probably try to wait. And, and it's interesting because it seems that the kinds of viruses you're exposed to in these healthcare facilities may be more dangerous than the version you would get at home. Because the people that have some of the highest mortality from COVID are the healthcare workers. 
right. and they're around probably sicker people, which is what's bringing them into the hospital in the first place. And, and maybe they're getting a higher exposure level. So, so I agree with what you said, you know, I think it's a little bit risky to go to the doctor now. And, and, and honestly, I, I think that this will probably cause some sort of long-term shift in how people behave and interact with doctors. You know, it's kind Absolutely. of like you get the bite of the apple, you know, once you, once you realize that, hey, you know, like I could save an hour in the car and parking and everything else and checking in and, and in addition to the risk of being exposed to viruses, why would you not see the doctor at home if it's anything that you could? Exactly. You know, my parents, my, my parents um, are, you know, obviously they're older than I am and, and, and they actually both made telemedicine like dermatology appointments. You know, and I was like, wow, like you, you guys beat me. I haven't actually gone to it. I haven't actually as a patient um, right. <laughs> gone to telemedicine yet. My parents even beat me to it, you know, and they're, you know, so, so I think it is catching on. It, it, as far as me, you know, I, I got into it because I want to be able to help. I, I think for patients, I just think it's so much more convenient. I, I have a practice that's, that's kind of limited to it's sort of a boutique practice. It's people that are really into like cutting edge wellness, people that are really into anti-aging. So we, we spend a lot of time going through detailed labs and, and, and kind of making detailed recommendations about diets and supplements. It's like a very kind of high touch, I guess, like concierge kind of medicine thing. So it, you couldn't do that with a lot of patients. So it's a limited number of patients that, I, that I'm able to, to sort of focus a lot of attention on. Sure. And that type of thing, I think, is much better with telemedicine because what we're able to do is we can kind of chat anytime, you know, if a question comes, this happens all the time, you know, a new supplement will come out and they'll want to talk about it or they, they're not sure about their diet or they're not feeling, you know, they're not, they're not sleeping well and we want to discuss it or, or something like that. And so the telemedicine makes you as a doctor much more accessible to the patient. And, and so I think it's a huge benefit to the patient. And I think it allows, it allows the patient to get medical feedback quicker versus going to Google. Because in this case, they could just come to me and they could say, hey, you know, supplement XYZ just came out. What do you think of it? If they weren't a telemedicine, those people would probably go online and Google it. You know, and not to say that that's bad, their own, but you know, and they'd Google not, it on their own. consult right? with a doctor. But, and and right. it also helps you because you can see more patients because the time involved to, you know, have somebody call you or do a video conference, you know, or a Zoom call like we're doing now, Right. It enables you to still talk to somebody face to face, you know, see to a certain extent what's going on. Obviously, you can't perform like a physical exam, but, you know, you can observe, you can discuss, you can give options, you can, you know, provide advice. There are a lot of things that can be done. And then when it's done, it's done. Patient doesn't have to go and, and, you know, get in their car and drive home. Right. And, you know, you don't have to go walk to, you know, another room or, you know, sort of do some of the things that are traditional in medicine, you know, where you've got other, you know, patients waiting in the next room. And now, you know, it's like, oh man, I spent too much time with this person. They're probably getting pissed at me because, I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, the, it's tough. So it definitely gives an advantage for both sides. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret about medicine. Ooh. It turns out that like the physical exam for most people almost all the time is not necessary. We do it because if you think like medicine, you know, it started a long time ago and there wasn't much you could do, you know, like we didn't know much about diseases, but you could, you know, have like a stethoscope, you could test reflexes, you know, there were, so, so medicine, then the way medicine doctors, especially in the United States got reimbursed was by doing a physical exam. So 
I think based on the way medicine started and then based on the way doctors get paid, the physical exam sort of took this big role in healthcare. But it turns out that almost all the time, the physical exam isn't that important. Now, I think what matters is you want to see the patient. You know, I, I could look at you, your kind of general feeling. You, you look healthy. You look like you're in pretty good shape. You're not breathing too fast. You're not struggling for air. So having some sort of ability to observe the patient, you know, say you're my patient, that's important. Because I can see you and you, you look very comfortable. You're obviously not in distress right now. That kind of thing is important. But, but listening to your heart with a stethoscope, pushing on your stomach, you know, that kind of stuff, except in rare cases, it really isn't that necessary almost all the time. Um, right. What does matter is you getting to me quickly if there's a problem and being able to actually get a good history from you, being able to sit down and, and hear what you have to say. That's the kind of stuff that really matters most of the time. So if traditionally most you know, physicians are being you know, reimbursed and paid for the you know, quote office visit, then there has to be going on now or, or some sort of revolution in how the insurance companies are dealing with a telemedicine visit as opposed to an in-office visit. So that's, where is that right now? Is that sort of like an ongoing challenge with someone like yourself where if somebody says, hey, I mean, if you, you know, are both the clinic and you you have a patient coming in and they're paying you cash or writing a check and they're not concerned about insurance, great. They don't, they don't really care. But for somebody who does need the insurance to pay for the office visit or the treatment or whatnot. And it's all done through a, a telemedicine, uh, you know, method. How is that differ for the doctor? Right. Well, that's a really good question. And that's been one of the big things that's changed recently. Um, so for me, like, I don't take insurance uh, mm-hmm. for my telemedicine stuff. So it hasn't changed anything for me, but, but for a lot of other people it has. And, you know, I hate to say, because obviously COVID is a terrible disease and it's, it's just been horrible for the economy and, and for people getting sick and dying. But, but, but with any sort of disastrous thing, there are sometimes good things that can come out of it. And I think one good thing that came out of that in terms of healthcare is that telemedicine has become more accepted. And, and I think insurance companies are coming around to saying, you know, maybe we should be reimbursing doctors for telemedicine because they would actually prefer the patients not come in either. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because uh, the insurance company doesn't want you coming in to see your doctor for a headache that you don't need to, and then you get COVID. You know, that's not, that's not in the insurance company's interest either, right? They would rather you stay home, you speak to the doctor about your headache, you get whatever treatment you need, and you're done. You know, so right. yeah, sure. So we can work both ways too. It can be advantageous for the insurance companies in some respects as well. Exactly. So it's better for the insurance company, and it's better for you. And honestly, it may ultimately be better for the insurance company because they may be able to squeeze more efficiency out of doctors in the long term. Because you know, one doctor eventually maybe instead of seeing, I'm just making these numbers up, maybe seeing 15 patients in a day in the clinic, maybe they could see 20 patients a day from telemedicine. Mm-hmm. So it may sort of decrease the crunch of doctors too. So in the long term, I think it's an insurance company's best interest. So what's happened is a lot of insurance companies and even the government, the Medicare and Medicaid system have sort of recently changed the rules and made it much easier for doctors to bill for telemedicine visits. And so as a result, Patients now, insured patients, are often able to get telemedicine visits, sometimes at no out-of-pocket costs. 
That's fantastic. Because I, yeah. I mean, really, there's very minimal, you know, quote, cost involved. Uh, you're still providing the expertise as a doctor, and that's obviously got got some value to it. But the the cost associated with running a, a physical office, paying the staff, dealing right. with insurances and utilities and all of that is greatly reduced, which makes you more profitable, which in turn makes you able to do other things with that money. And it also then helps the patient because if they're paying less to, uh, you know, for a telemedicine visit versus a physical visit, you know, then that's obviously great for them as well. So right. if, if I was, you know a patient and I was calling you for a, a telehealth consult or, or appointment or something like that. How, how does that, how does that work? Like, does it have to get pre-approved? Well, obviously someone like yourself, you don't have to worry about insurance, but um, how would that work in terms of like, okay, I've, I've got a problem. I need to talk to you. How would that sort of work in, in that, uh, in a telemedicine environment? So that's a good question. And a lot of that is, is that part is a little bumpy now, I think, because, it really is sort of catching on. So we're kind of at the beginning end of like a, I think a revolution, honestly, in how people access healthcare and doctors. So it's different depending on who your doctor is and who your insurance company is. And, and honestly, it even is different to some degree depending on what state you live in. So there isn't, I can't give you a blanket answer to that, but I'll tell you that, that most major insurance companies, they're actually contacting their members and they're saying, well, you can go see your doctor for no out-of-pocket costs or very little out-of-pocket costs. And they kind of give instructions. And, and the thing is that some doctors are now making themselves available through telemedicine. It's, there aren't that many doctors that are just doing telemedicine. That's right. rare. What I'm doing is un unusual. Most doctors, they have a clinic, but they're, they're throwing in some telemedicine appointments, you know? So, and so I mean, it, and obviously the word telemedicine, you know, gives you the impression that a lot of it may be just, you know, phone based, but I guess that really does encompass also like video conferencing because that's, right. that's all, it's not a telephone call, it's a video conference call, video call, whatever. But so that would be probably the most preferred way other than me just calling somebody on the phone and saying, oh, you know, I have this symptom, I have that symptom. It's like, well, can we jump on a call? You know, I want to, you know, sort of see what's going on because if I'm, if I'm talking to you and, and I, all of a sudden I go like this, you're like, Hey, what's going on? That may not be something that you're going to be able to see because you can't see when we're just talking on the phone. And, and you can imagine, so, you know, the original, because telehealth, telemedicine, you know, as you're, as you're hinting at, this is very astute is, you know, originally it's been around for a long time, but yeah. originally it was kind of like what you're saying. It was like a phone visit. And you could, you could imagine from an insurance company's perspective, why they would discourage that years ago. I mean, you could imagine a doctor that just takes these phone calls and he speaks to like, you know, a hundred patients for two minutes or something and he bills for a visit. Right. You can imagine that doctor is going to be charging enormous bills to the insurance company pretty quick, you know, uh, for that. And he's not really providing much of a service. So mm -hmm. there was a time when, when you could really game the system, you know, if you could bill for a telemedicine visit, but, but you couldn't really back then because you couldn't do the physical exam. But now, um, you know, now, now it's, it's, it's a lot easier. And I, I think that obviously if I were a patient, like my parents in this case, you'd, you'd want to be able to see the doctor like, like we are. Because like I said, I don't think the stethoscope and the abdominal exam and that sort of thing makes much of a difference for people most of the time. I really think seeing the person makes a difference.
audience. Right. Because I it's need like, to okay, see. Okay, stick out your tongue and say, ah, and look in your eyes and your ears. You know, it's kind of the standard, you know, routine, you know, stethoscope, breathe in, breathe out, on the back, breathe in, breathe out, you know, how's everything feeling? Everything's good. Okay, you're good to go. What else is going on? Oh, you got a headache? All right. What kind of headache? How long does it last? You know, you start asking some other questions, whereas you're saying, like, other than really having a reason like I have shortness of breath and I'm breathing. We can't, you know, reach through the computer with a stethoscope right. and, and, and do that. Now there's obviously apps and stuff on the phones and there's these commercials now where the thing with the heart, you know, arrhythmias where you can detect it, you know, using your fingers on there. Those yes. are fantastic. And they're great tools that can, you know, complement the, the telemedicine, telemedicine, telehealth industry. Uh, I think going forward. And I think that technology and those devices are probably going to become more prevalent. I mean, right here in my house, I have a battery-operated portable blood pressure cuff, you know, just in case. Why not? You know, it's funny. I was just going to mention that because this is actually something I'm a big fan of is there's all kinds of these devices now that will talk back to the doctor's office. Um, Mm -hmm. So you could actually, as a doctor, if you're set up for it, you could actually manage people with chronic disease remotely because you could do just what you had like they have like what you're talking about you could have the blood pressure cuff and it could talk you know gives its data back to the doctor uh, oxygen monitors that give their data back to the doctor if you have diabetes you can get these blood sugar you know measuring devices and they'll give the information back to the doctor and the doctor can review all of that information so if you have diabetes and you want to speak to your doctor how much insulin should you be taking you don't need to go to the doctor for that you need their help, but you don't need to be in the office. So if they can review the data from your you know, home blood sugar machine, that's all they need. Yeah, that's, and that's, now we see, now, now, now my wheels are turning on the cyber, you know, and the security side of things, because a lot of these devices <laughs> now are, well, they're being connected to the internet through Wi-Fi, right. you know, the whole IoT, right? The internet of right. things, where just right. about every possible device from your doorbell to your insulin meter to your phone to you know monitors to, to whatever to blood pressure cuffs a lot of these things now have and are going to continue as we see more and more of these devices explode over the next few years because they are going to explode it's already happening that the use of this technology is going to be awesome but it's also going to be very sort of uh, vulnerable to right cyber attacks and the ability to manipulate data. So if somebody is able to manipulate the data that's being transmitted from a patient to a doctor, both, you know, it could happen both ways. I could be transmitting data if I'm a hacker that says, oh, Pete's totally healthy when in fact I'm at risk for a heart attack like tomorrow or vice versa. I could be totally healthy and now that hacker could be sending data that says, you know, I'm on death's door, get to the hospital. So I can right. see where this, you know, there are great benefits to it, but then, you know, as they say, with great power comes great responsibility, but also great risk, I like to throw in, because these things are so new, and those sort of devices don't have the same level of security as, you know, your computer and your phone and firewalls and, you know, all kinds of network monitoring and security devices and VPNs. I mean, that stuff doesn't exist. They have some security, but it's fairly limited. And if somebody's got really weak passwords on their Wi-Fi equipment or just their standard, you know, uh, default usernames and passwords, like on the router that they just bought from Best Buy and they never changed it. Well, guess what? If you have an unsecured network, I can hop on there. I use the default information. I'm in there. I can do anything I want. So it gets kind of scary when you start to, you know, sort of extrapolate out the what ifs. 
Well, you know, I'll take that one step further because even before telehealth is a big thing, this Internet of Things issue was a problem for cybersecurity. I don't think any.